So yeah, Old Town Road. It's climbing up the charts. The right. kids love it. That's but again, the remix is where it's at. And what, the first what remix no, had, Yeah, what number remix are we on at this point? I think we're like now we're on the double down remix. This is remix, I think, number two. Right. No, it's gotta be way up. No, no, oh, no, no, no. We're in like dozens of remixes at yeah. this point. Uh, well, I mean official Lil Nas X released remixes. I think this is at least three or something like that. Right. Well Billy Ray uh, Cyrus. No, I'm sorry, was... I wait, seven? It says seven <laughs> okay. on his on his Twitter feed. Yeah, no, that makes oh, sense. Really? That makes okay. sense. I mean it says seven out now. Which I think that's his, what he his means. entire album is just Old Town Road remixes. But then, <laughs> but then he retweeted something from Spotify uh, last night that says the 80th Old Town Road remix is here. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And the, I mean, that might that be on Spotify from, where they have other remixes on there. That makes sense. Yeah, number right. 80 is from BTS, the the K-pop band. Oh shit! Yeah, that's about to blow up even huger, yeah. man. Yeah. L- Lil Nas X cinematic universe. Um, it totally is. It's gonna be on. Sesame but yeah, Street they played that at this wedding, and kids were they were ecstatic. Oh, um, the kids love it. They were very very excited uh, to get the out ones, there and do all the Fortnite dances at once. <laughs> yeah, except for the ones like my nephew who I started like whistling something from that song. He was like, "No, not that!" Like everybody, oh, like he's over it. Oh, he's super <laughs> over it. Oh man! Yeah, when when ten year olds are saying that your track is overplayed, um, yeah, maybe, that's you know, you've reached saturation. You <laughs> just back down Yikes. a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, good for good for Lil Nas X though. Didn't he come out as gay? He did. Yeah. The last day of Pride, I think. Was that a was that a joke or was he sincere? No, I think no, he's, he's gay. real. That's real. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if he's strictly gay or like what level of lgbt he is Whoa, but called out boom yeah. okay, are you? everybody check everybody a, check the lgbt a, privilege a kinsey scale number here right chuck's, chuck's gatekeeping uh, plus you know since he came out on the last day and it was probably to get more clicks to it that that seems very gay for yeah. pay he's never kissed so, me so you know <laughs> but uh but at least he's gay adjacent or gay-ish or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> man gays these days, you know. Yeah, you know. It used to be back in the day. I mean, that's literally an album rollout now. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, didn't you know already? You know, what was that that girl who was just like, you know, I'm not bisexual, I'm pansexual or whatever. Like, please get it right. And people were oh, like, yeah. I don't even understand. <laughs> that, that would be a good topic here because it's really kind of hard to determine how that's so different. Yeah, you really got to feel for the Fox News hosts out there trying to report on it when they don't even know what they're talking about and yeah. trying to attack it. And <laughs> it's just, it's so challenging for them. They're like, first they tell us that there's more than two two genders, and now they tell us there's more than two orientations. Well, the- <laughs> I can't even deal with this anymore. The term bisexual automatically assumes a binary, so I think Pan yeah, erases that binary. Boom. Okay, that's what it is. But, but I hear you, though I also <laughs> just like, like the minute I see a right winger make fun of anything, I'm like, no, I'm I'm for it. <laughs> right, absolutely. I don't give a shit absolutely. if it makes any sense to me at all. I'm for it. <laughs> right, I'm, I'm parsexual like, right now. Really, really, really reactionary in that way. So yeah, no, it, but, it's a good defense mechanism yeah. for sure. Like I just assume it's good. I don't know what it is. 
But yeah, Eric but if Erickson you hate it, hates it, so fuck it. It must be great. Yep. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Back to the Liquid Flannel Podcast from Arlington, Texas. I'm Matthew Hodges, joined as ever by my excellent comrade and co-host in Omaha, Nebraska, Brendan Williams. Brendan, how you doing tonight? I am doing great. Uh, I'm living out of boxes uh, for the next two <laughs> weeks. But, That's right. Uh, yeah, that move's going alone. on. Chuck yeah. came over to, to help me move. Yeah, Chuck, like, you yeah, don't know this yet, but you're going to help me move. Thanks for coming over. <laughs> we're blessed tonight Lucky to be rejoined me. by our old friends and sometimes co-host Chuck Williams, uh, specifically <laughs> because we're going to be talking about uh, some religious stuff tonight that uh, we thought Chuck might have some insight on. So, hey, Chuck, nice to have you back. Hey. It's great to be back, and Brendan, you would not be surprised how many other people that have told me they were living out of boxes started the sentence by, I'm doing good. I'm doing good, <laughs> you know? So, uh, it happens way more than you think. <laughs> and uh, to help us out in this uh, kind of a, a little bit of a very special episode of Liquid Flannel tonight, we have a guest coming to us from Lafayette, Louisiana, Megan Romer. Hello. Megan, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. And so on. All of those things. <laughs> Etc. Thank you. Yes. Well, like I said, <laughs> I, I think here. it's going to be... <laughs> I think it's going to be a little bit of a, a different episode tonight because um, unlike usual when we would do, you know, do a rundown of some current events and stuff, uh, there have been a bunch of things in the news that all fall along this sort of theme of religion in the news. So I think yeah. that we will end up covering a lot of current events as we go through this, but... The theme of tonight's episode, a little bit different for us, having a theme, is to talk about religion and leftism and, you know, specifically Christianity and how Christianity might fit into a leftist project. So uh, I think that's I think that's what we're starting with tonight. Religion and politics. Cool. We have no manners at awesome. all. Our mothers are all so ashamed. Right. Yeah, yeah. And the founding fathers rolling in their graves. That's right. <laughs> Good. But whatever. Fuck those dudes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry. Stop the fuck I, cuss on this? Real. The fuck I know y'all are professionals now. <laughs> I didn't know if the FCC is coming after me. Oh, no, that's fine. We're we're good. Fuck the FCC, okay. too. Good deal. Yeah, yeah, but, okay, one, fuck the Founding Fathers in the graves, and second of all... <laughs> gross. Josh, all right, it got gross. <laughs> oh, man. You know... I don't know. No, it's all right. Roll it. It could get way grosser. I'm going to stop now, though. Well, I, I think well, about uh, religion. I, I made the I made the joke on Twitter today that um, somehow we avoided the the liquid flannel curse. We've talked about it on the show before that oftentimes um, we'll record an episode and then something happens in the news just a day later or so uh, that would have been perfect for whatever we were talking about that day. But it seems like we avoided that this time. Um, and, you know. Another thing that you don't bring up at the dinner table, but I think very relevant to the the idea of a leftist project and the religious intersection of that, is that just today we heard from the federal government that they're bringing back the federal death penalty for the first time in, like, over 20 years? Yeah. <laughs> right. 
There just wasn't enough death penalty out there. There wasn't. Right. Texas, <laughs> there was such a Texas has been yeah. really disappointing lately. <laughs> yeah. Louisiana They're hasn't like, executed anybody in like eight years. Slackers. Yeah, Nebraska's yeah. been having troubles too, but they're trying so hard. No, we just executed someone like last year, oh, didn't we? damn. That's right. Damn, bro. <laughs> yeah. Oh, bad. We had to get the finest drugs from the state won't tell us where. Oh, right. <laughs> just to be able right. to do some it. vet school you know? or some shit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, Hollywood vet school right. or wherever. What um, was the ostensible reason that they said, like, now is the time? Just like, hey, we figured we could get away with it because uh, the right. Republicans are just Y'all fully don't seem to care about anything else we do. Right. <laughs> like, nobody yeah, exactly. stopped us from killing children in concentration camps. So fuck it. Let's start executing. Well, right. it's that. And it's what also it? they also knew that it would be a thing that uh, could create a, a culture war again. Mm-hmm. Right. Because mm-hmm. if you look at the responses, the positive responses to this change, um, they almost 100 percent come from people with, you know, dedicated Christian conservative in their bio. Right. Uh, right. Just like the including Eric most, Erickson. Yeah. Just <laughs> disgusting, bloodthirsty shit coming from people who say that they belong to a religion of, you know, turning the other cheek and treating your neighbor as you would you would be treated and, you know, an eye for an eye has been abolished, but that's not really the case, apparently. Yeah, because right. they're not actually... Um, the reality is we all cherry-pick scripture. I mean, leftist Christians yes. do too, absolutely, 100%. Yep. We're just honest no, I about it. the stuff that contradicts the other stuff. <laughs> right, right. right. Exactly. We're just honest about it. I think, or more honest mm-hmm. about it, or more willing to just right. wrestle with the 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 tension of it. Um, yeah. Whereas Eric Erickson was like, "Yeah, death penalty." Yeah. Right. You know, it's kind of like with, and that's the thing: the cherry picking of it is the hard. It's the hard thing for everybody, but you know, it's like with that uh, soccer player that the right was embracing because they're like, she was kicked <laughs> off the team for. Uh, you know, fo- following her religious convictions to not wear rainbow colored numbers on her uniform. And it's like, okay, but the passage right above it seems <laughs> right above homosexuality seems to be, you know, those mixed fabrics, that poly cotton blend jersey <laughs> is probably They're pissing also, God off. First of all, literally are not passages about homosexuality. It's 100%. They're, just no. aren't. They're like, that wasn't a thing. Like the idea of. You, you you wouldn't be writing in a cultural context about something that was you know people would have been gay of course but it wasn't uh something that was like, named as a thing that one could be right like it wasn't no a, any more possibility to be gay than it was to be an astronaut it was just not a thing <laughs> right. um, not right. that people wouldn't be gay it's just when you're not given any options you sort of just you think something's wrong with you with you in a whole different way i mean it, i right um so, but it, the Bible doesn't actually condemn homosexuality. That's all a lie. It's a lie. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but at least with the death penalty in Nebraska, we had, uh, in 2015, we actually repealed it, or the state, the legislature here, the unicameral did. And this was kind of um, spearheaded by Ernie Chambers, who had been working to repeal the death penalty for at least three decades. I'll say and just one more time, Ernie Chambers, please come on Liquid Flannel. We would love to fucking talk to you. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. We need him to come on something for sure. Um, but yeah, so he was able to get bipartisan um, support for this recently. Um, 
And a lot of it was playing toward, and you have to understand the unicameral in Nebraska, they say it's nonpartisan, but it is heavily Republican controlled. And they were able to get Republicans to say, well, this doesn't make sense fiscally to have the death penalty. And it also isn't very congruent with, you know, with my religious beliefs. And, you know, so they were able to actually repeal the death penalty or ban it. But then, you know, the governor tried to veto that. His veto was overwritten. And then they put it on the ballot. He spent his own billions, hundreds of thousands of dollars to get it put on the ballot. Maybe not hundreds, but tens of thousands at least. You know, we have a millionaire governor here. So, um, and it was funny because. I mean, yeah, what what that what that indicates, though, I I think is going to be sort of the the running theme of our discussion tonight, which is that, you know, there there is a way to turn religious thought toward like leftist goals or there's a way to frame leftist goals within religious thinking. Um, right. And we see that with, you know, you and I were sharing articles today, not just about the death penalty, but also about um, abortion, which I think we'll circle back around to. Um, we mm. were talking about uh, climate so, change, climate change. We were talking about the camps at the border. And you do see a movement inside of inside of, uh, you know, Christianity, um, maybe sometimes even within evangelicism, um, where their religious precepts serve as a basis for leftist goals, um, including, you know, not exclusive of, uh, you know, abolition of the death penalty. Right. Part of it. And, you know, being a person of color that also identifies within, you know, the Christian faith to some degree, that's been something of an identity struggle, because on the one hand, you're thinking about it, in terms of, well, you know, religion was brought by oppressors and colonizers and, you know, imperialists and things like that. But then when you kind of fast forward it to like the 60s and the civil rights movement, you know, religion played a really significant role in that, especially for white activism, um, linking up with Martin Luther King and, you know, the Southern Christian Leadership Conference and things like that. So in those ways... I started trying to reframe like what Christianity specifically or religion can be for me in terms of politically how I treat my neighbors, how I treat people in my community and kind of how I vote and in that way to try to help lift people up, you know. So right. Well, Megan, I mean you're you're a person who identifies publicly as being, you know, an outspoken progressive christian and you live in louisiana which is which is actually you know arguably a lot more conservative than even the very conservative places where i live or where chuck and brendan live so how do you see that and i live in a very conservative spot in louisiana the city i live in is a is a um it's an oil city and it's you know we uh lafayette voted 70 percent for trump and lafayette's 70 percent white so it's like if you're white, hmm. you're a Republican here. Um, right. Yep. So, uh, yeah. Uh, so how does it play out to be a public? Is that what you're asking me to be a publicly leftist Christian? Yeah. How does that play out? And also, how do you see 
um, some of these some of these issues playing within the religious communities since you're part of a religious community. Yeah, so it's really interesting. So the city I live in is population. I don't know, like our greater metro, such as, as it is, is maybe four hundred twenty thousand. Nice. Um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> there are two and a half progressive churches and it's a mm. deeply religious area so there's like yeah. a really tiny unitarian meeting group um mm-hmm. the church i go to is a presbyterian pcusa church um which is maybe like 70 percent left-leaning with a left-leaning pastor um okay mm-hmm. and then there's an episcopal church that's more progressive than the other ones but like that's that is a very small number of churches for this because most of the mainline congregations at this point are at least doctrinally pushing to the left um if not i'm not sure that that message always sort of makes its way down to the to the actual pulpit or to people who are sitting in church on a sunday um which Mm -hmm. is an issue that i have that i'm i can talk about later or something but um or not at all because it's kind of hyper specific oh just that you know if you look at um the elca the the progressive lutherans or the um even the united methodist church who are having some problems with uh being lgbtq accepting but in general have been Mm. a at least a racially very progressive congregation or a denomination and so on and the pcusa which is the more progressive type of presbyterian and so on at the top level all of these denominations have policy statements that are like hey we're destroying the earth we actually have to stop and this is a point of religious it's a point of faith for us that we have to take care of the earth and it's a point of faith for us that it is bullshit that black trans women have a life expectancy of 35 and it's a point you know so all these things they're all coming out of these these national offices but are they actually making it into your average church on sunday i don't know that they really are in most places Um, one of the things that i often struggle with too is like it almost requires someone from within the community mm -hmm. to talk to that issue because if somebody comes from outside the faith community it's very difficult, you know, for example, for me as like a not particularly religious person, mm-hmm. it would feel disingenuous for me to go to a religious person and say, hey, you know what? God told you to take care of the mm-hmm. earth. Mm-hmm. Like that would be a really strange argument mm-hmm. coming from a really non-religious sure. person, even though that's an argument that a religious person might actually take more seriously sure. than, you know, a very sciencey, you know, type of based, sure. you know, evidence-based thing. But, you know, on the same and on the same token, it's like they don't have to look at the measure of your own perception of your religious identity to know that their religion does say that in this text, you know, mm-hmm. in this verse, this verse, and this verse. It's like they could be like, well, yeah, the. <laughs> It says that, but man, they'll find you're some kind other of a smarmy one. non-Christian, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I you're right. Say- I mean, Chuck, in in theory, like they should be listening to anybody who who teaches them, right? Because I mean, Jesus Christ Himself was not a member of the church. He got called a rabbi because he was a teacher, but he wasn't a member right. of the Jewish. Uh, administration, the the like the priest. He cast. was he wasn't a member right. of the priesthood, right? And things that were shown to him weren't shown to him in the church. You know, it's like it could have been from you know 
uh, a eunuch on the street or something like that. I mean, it right. came from all sorts of different places, but you just have to be tuned in into that spirit or something. So I don't know. I mean, I definitely, for Lincoln, Nebraska, I go to a very, it's considered more of a leftist church. I mean, there's two progressive churches. It's a Unitarian church and a United Church of Christ church. And that's the one I go to, the UCC one. And you do hear the message. I mean, when you've got migrants, you know, in cages and things like that, or, you know, Americans in cages yeah. uh, down on the border, uh, you're going to hear We hear that in our pulpit. Sure. And, and I love it. Uh, one, you know, it's not even about whether it reaffirms what I believe, but I know that there are conservative people there that aren't going to hear this message from, you know, a liberal quote unquote or someone on MSNBC or they're going to be like now what kind of Antifa undertones are there to this message <laughs> to this agenda but if they hear it from our pastor they're going they're not going to immediately write it off as bullshit yeah, yeah. you know no, so. I will say that I, my pastor is progressive and does preach from the pulpit you know things like we actually have to like who is our neighbor <laughs> like right. let's just go ahead yes. and talk about who that is um, mm -hmm. but I really think that the conservative people who do attend my church, which isn't a lot of people, but it is some, um, and they're mm -hmm. older mostly, and they mostly have been in this church forever and just kind of never left. Um, mm -hmm. They, I think they just don't hear it. Like, I think they just, it just, it either, either they hear it and it makes them mad because I know he gets complaints um, or they just don't hear it. Like it, they just, mm -hmm. they're like, I think he's talking about Democrats when he says I need to be nice to people. Right, right. <laughs> it's like no, we're fine. That's a well, start, right? And, and and before we before we take a little break, because I think uh, I, I think what we need to do is um, you know uh, take a little break and come back and recenter on some specific issues. But right, um, for some food for thought as we go into that break, uh, there there was a, a really interesting uh, little study that came out from the Pew Research Trust um, not too long ago. Um, talking about uh, it, breaking down by religion, who thought we had a responsibility to accept and, you know, care for refugees. Um, so I'll just I'll rattle these numbers off for you. So um, the, the religiously unaffiliated, 65 percent, black Protestant, 63 percent. So almost on par there. Catholic, 50 percent. White mainline Protestant, 43%. White evangelicals, 25%. So, <laughs> right. don't they want them here so they can convert them? Isn't that the whole? <laughs> well, I mean, it, it, it speaks to, it, to me at least, that speaks to a very identitarian aspect of the way white evangelicals approach their religion and their right. religious praxis. And I want And I, I think this also was one of those uh stats where if you look at like pre-Trump and like post-Trump that there was like a significant shift. Oh, interesting. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, and another thing is that um I know white evangelicals at least well, my grandma and grandpa are, you know, white evangelicals on my mom's side and I would attend church with them at a very conservative church that preached that Catholicism 
was part of is a part of a false Christianity movement. And so, you know, for me, the the first argument I try to make is, well, you know, a lot of these people are coming from very, very Christian Catholic countries. And they're like, well, that's kind of, that's not true Christianity. And it's just like, oh, man, well, <laughs> right. though, yeah. in fairness, like in the Northern Triangle. Well, not in fairness. I mean, it's not in fairness to the evangelicals. They've done a very right. effective job uh missioning missionizing missionarying they oh sure yeah Pro- proselytizing huge, yeah th- when they <laughs> yeah proselytizing would be the actual word there you go <laughs> <laughs> right uh, i, I kind of like missioning <laughs> missioning yeah i think i actually think they do use those kind of weird sort of fake words to yeah, talk sure. about it's like a thing <laughs> right um but so I work with a lot of immigrants, and they are, by and large, almost entirely some flavor of Pentecostal or evangelical. Um, yeah. They, because I think, especially in the Northern Triangle countries or any countries that have seen um, any significant amount of amount of, uh, I hate to even use the word socialist because those sort of authoritarian socialism is a, is a different thing. But these sort of right. authoritarian socialist regime uprisings. Catholicism really lost favor because it's seen as the sort of old fashioned thing. Um, mm. You definitely see that in Cuba, where I, I've been a couple times recently. Um, and the main lines didn't, because the main lines had stopped proselytizing largely um, by the sort of 60s, 70s. Like, we don't really send missionaries to convert people, it's not a thing anymore. But so the evangelicals were like, we'll do it. And they jumped right in and like sure. massive conversions. So most of the people I work with are, um, especially the Hondurans and the Guatemalans, they're all Pentecostals. Um, and the Pentecostal church here has, a, it's one of the only churches in town that has Spanish services. Mm-hmm. And yet everyone else <laughs> is like a white Trump voting. And I'm like, I can't, right. this is where I really start to hit this like dissonance where I'm like, I can't, I can't. <laughs> what is happening? Like, where are you? Well, going and you can with listen this? to like in, you know you can listen to interviews of people in the in the quote unquote caravans and stuff mm-hmm. where they're like, why are you going to the U.S.? And they're like, well, I was taught that the U.S. is a beautiful country that's blessed by God <laughs> and it loves everyone and we're all one community <laughs> of faith, you know. So I, I know that I will be accepted there. And you're just like, oh like, no, no yeah. like, honey, they no. did say they did say that, <laughs> but. <laughs> they didn't maybe follow it up with you know some some more facts from on the ground. Yeah, you know? exactly. Um, that's kind of an idealized perception of yeah. what you know America is in their heart. Yeah. You know, and when right. they're in church and they're saying, "Of course, we're all one faith community of God," yeah. and you know, everybody who is in my faith is my brothers and sisters. But at the ballot box, you know, <laughs> maybe right. not quite as much. Yeah. So. Okay. Well, then, then let's take a break right there because when we come back, I do want to talk about uh, the way uh, you know some people of faith have decided that praxis, leftist praxis, is the way that you get to the kingdom of heaven. So let's take a little break there. We'll come back and talk about some more of these specifics. Marshall, go amongst them. And feed them from these five loaves and fishes. By a miracle of faith, they will all be fed. All ye humble of the earth, step up and claim your fish. Only 12 drachmas apiece. No, Marshal, don't charge them anything. The fish are free. They are a gift from God. All right, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. If you act now, okay, the fish and a loaf, six drachmas apiece. No, Marshal, just give them the fish. 
Okay, Jesus, you got my back up against the wall on this one. But here's the deal. If you act now of the fish and a loaf, and I'll throw in this miraculous unleavened bread levinator. No, don't applaud for him. No, no, you're fooled. Have you guys noticed this trend of conservatives posting pictures of them playing guitar, but with their their capo? <laughs> yeah, and with, with the their cap- hands above. With, with the capo below their hands? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> what? Stop. Uh, Why no. are they doing that? Uh, there's one of Boris Johnson doing it, and then there was like oh some God. group that was like, "We're the MAGA girls" or whatever, posted their video of yeah, them that's doing right. It. So those three, those three blonde chicks who sing just like the worst fucking uh, like parody songs about how they're supporting Donald yeah. Trump. Yeah, I think it's been so uh, long. It's the same chicks who were like the seven year olds that were like Donald <laughs> Trump. Right, he yeah. Is the best. <laughs> he didn't pay us for this gig, even though he said he would. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Hands, hands above the capo on the amazing on the guitars. It's unbelievable. Incredible. So speaking of the left, Boris Johnson, the Christian left. <laughs> right. Let's, you... not, let's not. Let's <laughs> not. Not today. Speaking of the left, though, I, I did a lot of reading today about the idea of liberation theology. Mm-hmm. Right. It was a mm-hmm. gro- an outgrowth of. Uh, religious thought, specifically Catholic religious thought, mainly in Latin America, mm-hmm. um, that had to do with focusing on the parts of the gospel that are about helping the poor. They have this concept uh, that is uh, the the preferential option mm-hmm. for the poor in pretty pretty much across theology. Um, that, you know, if you read the Gospels, if you read the, the epistles, um, especially if you want to go into some of the things, you know, the, the Gnostic Gospels and some of the other Apocrypha, there's a lot there having to do with your role as a Christian is to help the poor. And so there's this movement that uh, developed out of some Marxist thought in the, you know, from the 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 50s through mm. the 80s called liberation theology can i take this over please because yeah. <laughs> you're messing it up a little <laughs> okay <laughs> perfect so part Thank of you. liberation theology and the the big part of liberation theology and what makes it so revolutionary is not necessarily the focus of the gospel on the poor because that has always been there's always been strains of christianity that have been like like the church can't do th- like like we talk about the reformation as like the first time this ever happened but that's not true there have been many many movements of people being like no absolutely not the purpose of the church is to take care of the poor and well, to put the, and the marginalized exactly and so the same thing yeah so um these priests mostly were these well-educated guys who had come up in an era when people were reading marks and whatnot um and then they got sent out to like be the little parish priest in some slum um, and they were like, this is really interesting because these people who are fully oppressed in every conceivable way, they're marginalized in, you know, just across the board. They're poor brown women uh, mm-hmm. with authoritarian governments who've had their traditional religion taken from them and so on. They somehow have managed and they can't read <laughs> and they've somehow managed to, like, take the very best parts of the Bible and center them and create this, these personal theologies that are really uh, like the 
best theology anybody's ever done. And then you see comparable movements in Black American um, Christianity and Mm -hmm. somewhat in African Christianity. And if you look back, you see them in Celtic Christianity. And people have, like, in the last 20, 30 years, this has really been a focus of... um, sort of higher le- like the 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 um better seminaries are this is like a really common dissertation kind of topic for mm, people doing trendy. Their- yeah yeah it is trendy because it's <laughs> um but it's also like like when people started connecting these dots it was like oh that's actually why this is good that's why this appeals um to people because people were asking, like, how can this religion of the colonizer be so appealing to people who have been colonized? Um, and a lot of it was forcible. But then how did these people, like, pull the best parts out of this mm-hmm. when they were forced into the worst parts of it? Right. Right. So it's really a bottom-up theology. Exactly. Um, okay. So so that that leads to what I was getting at. If yeah, I can help, sorry. If I can have try to redeem have myself yeah, yeah. a little bit here. Yeah, yeah. Let's get it back it, on topic. To, to redeem myself. <laughs> Thank the, you. the broader point I was trying to make was that um, we asked uh, a bunch of our uh, fans and followers on Twitter today, what do you think about religion and leftism? And by and large, the responses we got were that religion is incompatible with leftism because religion, or at least the way churches are set up right now, are very hierarchical, where this, you know, this alternative model where you're sending sometimes lay people out to the working class and and teaching a a model of religion where praxis is religion, that the way that like the extent to which you are helping the poor is your revelation to God is completely non-hierarchical. And I, I like to see that going on. And I think that we do see it going on in religious communities who, you know, are, are bucking their, hierarchical structures on things like should women be part of the clergy should lgbtq people be accepted in the church and part of the clergy um the the way that we organize the the resources that our church is able to marshal in order to actually do community service versus make people incredibly wealthy you know a a few people at the expense of the poor right well and i think it is amazing to contrast that with kind of what the modern evangelical movement has embraced and especially with donald trump which is the embodiment of the prosperity gospel which is the kind of new age american you know kind of concept of if you're ostentatiously wealthy then you must be living such uh, you know, a pure life of good that God would bless you with such extravagant riches. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, and, and so that you can poor, essentially, you're bad. Yeah. yeah and you're you bad. It must it. have it been it, bad. Yep. It makes it very easy for somebody like Joel Osteen down in Houston <laughs> right. to decide, like, we're not going to open up the doors <laughs> of our giant fucking mega church for, uh, Hurricane Harvey refugees, you know, who's like, oh, what if the poor is like get our prayer books right. messy? Dude, there's all those 4K you know. TVs in there, right. like, and then I don't when know. they right. when they did open them up, 
they held services and passed a plate, which I just thought was the tackiest fucking thing I've ever heard in my life. Like, yeah. I'm in favor of passing plates. I'm in favor. I mean, as a as a believer, I believe that we should give some of what we make to the church. It is an absolute. Mm-hmm. There is a time and fucking place. Like, just have some <laughs> goddamn manners. Right. Yeah, just some tact. <laughs> you know. Right. Not even mm-hmm. manners, because manners are bad, but just some fucking good sense and good taste and just (laughs) it's funny that um when i was reading about the uh liberation theology today they had mentioned peru in there and i just went there to you know lima and cusco you know back in january and one of the funny things was in cusco in the main cathedral there well first of all all of the cathedrals, once a bunch of earthquakes happened, a lot of the plaster from the Spanish went away, and you could still see the pre-colonial stonework mm. of you know, oh, wow. the indigenous yeah. culture, which was cool. But inside the main cathedral in Cusco, there was a portrait of the Last Supper. Well, first of all, Jesus in there was was very dark. Um, nice. And it was because of the sun affecting the wood. And then they left it that way, kind of as a, you know, mm-hmm. thumb the nose to the to the Spanish. But the uh, portrait Was it of- the sun on the wood or was it a sign from God? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> it's um, a miracle. But the they had the portrait of the Last Supper. It's a very famous one. I think the guy's name is like Marcos uh, Zappa, but... It was, <laughs> they're eating kui, which is like guinea pig down there, <laughs> uh, instead of the, whatever the normal supper was. But they, and then also Judas in the picture is looking away, like looking at the painter's perspective. And it's, uh, his likeness is Juan Pizarro. So oh, it was inter- interesting. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty crazy. So, you know, you started seeing those kind of bold moves. Mm-hmm. within the religion down mm-hmm. there and mm-hmm. and that was probably he was big in like the 30s or something so well so i guess my my question then uh chuck and megan as the two people on this program who jesus do nerds. consider themselves right What's that? Jesus <laughs> right. I, was, I, I wasn't gonna i wasn't gonna go any place close to that cool. but yeah. as the two people on this show uh right now who are people of faith you know what? What are your perspectives on, uh, like that? The the idea of I mean, you're commanded by your gospel to do certain things, specifically for the poor, right. possibly also for the environment, which I'd like to get into. Sure. What is your perspective on uh, your own religious practice, and also the religious practice of the communities that you belong to? Toward furthering those goals versus things that, you know, a, a Marxist-Leninist might criticize as being very top-down and hierarchical and not actually doing that thing. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the reasons I'm a Presbyterian, um, I have some issues with some elements of Reform theology, but to become a Presbyterian or I think any of the mainline churches, all you have to do is say you take you take Jesus as your savior, you believe in Jesus or whatever. It's like, Mm -hmm. it's a very simple, you don't have to say like, well, I believe in four of the five points of Calvinism, which gets me into, you know, it's none of that. You should have to do that. I think. No. Yeah, Yeah, you should. You should You name the five points of Calvinism. I'd be like, it's It's like like a a video game score. Like if you get all five points, you get the achievement. (laughs) God. 
Right. I think your your well, youth pa- high youth pastor energy for you me know, right now, Matt. <laughs> have you considered a career change? I'll say, you know, within the UCC, they've recently signed on to the New Deal as a church, you know, so. Yeah, yeah, uh, UCC I, is, if there was a UCC here, I'd probably join it. Um, yeah, oh, but, yeah. But you're congregational, right? So your congregations themselves mm-hmm. are the, are your organizing body and then send delegates. So Presbyterians, right. presby- like lowercase p Presbyterian, um, th- what it means literally is that you have a ruling council of elders who aren't always old. Um, it just sure. means they're, and then, um, at our national conference, we send equal numbers of clergy and ruling elders who are selected by the church body. And that's how all decisions are made. There's no like president. I often joke about like my pastor gets kind of mad at me because I'm like, people will be like, well, who decides this? I'm like the Presbyterian Pope, obviously. And he's like, stop <laughs> it. The Presbyterian Pope is Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> who is the head of the Presbyterian church? Jesus is. Um, and everybody else is just a delegate. Yeah, who's right. gonna who's gonna outright so, that guy? That's pretty tough. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. we have we have <laughs> boards, and you know we we're organized in like um, a tri-state kind of conference uh-huh. and everything. And I actually was a represent a delegate from our church at the uh, local kind of the regional and the um, tri-state area, and you know we can vote on what resolutions you know the national board brings up and and there was a time where you know the south dakota part of the tri-state voted for something and the nebraska side voted against it and you know it was it was very interesting to see how it worked great plains showdowns yeah you know but it was very (laughs) parliamentarian and very calm and everyone was was really cool about it but yeah, yeah. it was one of those things where i was you know new and i was thinking oh no i hope that the vote doesn't come down to me and i have to like ignorantly vote on something <laughs> but, but you know yeah i mean i think both of our particular denominations are both really invested in democratized um decisions and mm-hmm. committees and i mean the presbyterian the pcusa does not look structurally literally any different than the dsa it is like the exact right. it's like a bunch of committees a bunch of working groups a bunch of and decisions all get made on mass it's like that's mm-hmm. how it works so when i hear people saying like yeah can't be christian and a leftist i'm like then why do we do the exact same things right in exactly the same way so i think to me like i look at churches and i say okay well that's the original organizing like that's before there was organizing exactly. there were people being on committees and being on um whatever and one of the reasons we have such a hard time getting people to organize is because in the you know a couple generations into this loss of church nobody knows Mm -hmm. how to do it anymore like nobody knows how to be on a committee yeah we've sort of and uh and we've privatized so much and we don't go to church so like there's nothing we're not in unions and (laughs) everything's privatized and we don't go to church so Mm -hmm. we don't have we're not on our little town committee we're not on our little town board we're not in our union board we're not in our church fellowship committee we're not so suddenly right. we're like all right people we have to organize and you know consolidate our power and that's how we're gonna win and people are like what organize what does that even mean i'm not i'm not organized i can't organize all right right but for me it just felt you know it made sense because it was you know it was local and mm-hmm. it was a way to really get in and do the praxis of of a leftist it's very similar to the things that 
Antifa have been doing in Nebraska and Missouri, you know, like mm. when there's disaster, we provide disaster relief, like with the floods and stuff, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. and I'm not going to get too much into all the cool things that we do or whatever and get, you know, braggy about it. But it was just a way to feel like I'm still doing things that are aligned with my political morals and looking at it from a little bit more of a critical perspective and finding a place that looks at people. First of all, everybody's welcome. People are people. It doesn't matter, you know, anything about you. And I needed a place like that for so long growing up for me, religion, like I'd started out, my family was super non-denominational. They were going for weird reasons and mostly my dad trying to like impress my grandfather and say like Mm, his father-in-law sort of thing. He's like, Oh, these kids need to go to church and stuff. So it was more like a, a military based church. So you, you were doing things cause you were forced to do them. And here you, you're doing things cause you want to do it. You want to be involved and, and you just want to be able to affect your corner of the world and make it positive and just see the divinity in each other. So what you're describing in the negative is uh, like a very hierarchical structure where you're forced to do a thing instead of doing the thing because your faith calls you to do that. Is, is that right? Yeah. And I yeah. think you see that at two ends. The two extremes would be Catholicism, where everything's kind of coming down from the boss tells the underbosses, and then yeah. the underbosses the, tell... The Pope and, of Antifa, uh, you yeah, know, tells... Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> tells the, yeah. Where Versus, the, we know where to rally the troops. At least right, 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 right. the and UCC... Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. And I was just going to say that the non-denominational churches, um, non-denominational... I, people say it like it's a positive thing. And I mm-hmm. think that a lack of denomination tends to mean a lack of oversight and, you know, lawsuits right. against megachurch pastors have borne that out pretty successfully. Um, <laughs> yeah. Sure. So they mostly tend to be one guy, mo- far more often than not a guy, who makes the rules for the group <laughs> right. of people. And yep. Often, if you're non-denominational, there are no requirements for you to have any theological training, so you can just get up there and say whatever the fuck you want. Um, right. Yeah. Oh, God. Did you see that state that said that um, they're no longer going to allow non-denominational pastors to, like, sign marriage licenses? I think it was, like, Tennessee or like, oh, Kentucky or something like that. so you like couldn't that. get, like, ordained online or yeah. whatever. Which is, like, what everybody does oh, just because right, it's, right, like, right, well, right. why right. – well, I'm just going to have my friend do it or whatever. Right, you know what right, I mean? right, 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 So they right. know which me is... better than some guy that I – Totally, you know. totally. Sure, sure. Well, Brendan, that's a, that's, a, that's a reasonable place to transition into, you know, uh, we had some – comments you know we've spent some time uh on this topic talking about you know what a leftist person of faith should be doing Mm -hmm. and uh some of the comments that we got uh primarily from our friend melly uh had to do with what a leftist person of faith should not be doing (laughs) and uh melly sums herself up very well all the time by saying just Here's my insight. Everyone needs to mind their own fucking business. Which now Melly works in Millie works and has worked with reproductive rights. Sure. Uh, she's worked with LGBT rights. So for her Yeah, so for her the idea of um yeah, and, and Chuck, I, I, I wanna pick your brain about this too, because I know that you have stuff to say about it. You know, for Melly, I think the idea is that, you know, people can have faith 
and use that faith to promote good actions sure. in the world. Absolutely. When when your faith starts promoting things that are contrary to other people's own rights, right. then then she would have a problem with that. Exactly. I, I don't think that she would be mad at me for summing up her, her no. view on that. I think that, that it was a, an absolutely fair point. And, you know, the thing for me is kind of like what we were talking earlier. It's about it's about talking about it less and absolutely not in the sense of telling anyone how they need to live their life, but actually just trying to be an example of a person. So like if I see somebody that needs help in the street, it might be my religion that makes me think about it and say, this is something where I think I can provide help to this person. So let me see what I can do and then be about, be on my way sort of thing. And, you know, so, I mean, don't go out there and do that if you think you're going to be putting yourself in danger or whatever. But it's like. Right. But you're just saying that you know, an your, example, your, faith could, your right. faith could motivate you to help somebody out that somebody might not otherwise help out. Absolutely. It, it's And it's about just kind of being there in your community viewpoint of, you know, loving your neighbor as yourself, you know, as like one of the most important things. Right. And. And you can live that every day, not even say anything to someone else. And it could cause them to, you know, be inspired and live a better life, whether or not they even acknowledge Christianity. And that's still doing God's work or whatever. So, you know, it it never has to be something where you're getting in people's face and being like, you know, I don't think that people should have abortions. Right. I mean, that's <laughs> not that's ridiculous. Well, yeah, I like, mean, Chuck, Chuck, you had a really good perspective on you know, you being pro-choice yourself, but right. wanting to avoid future abortions as much as possible. It's not you even really me good wanting to avoid it. No, 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 I'm just saying right. that, like, it's not... not that I'm going to be, like, ice skating on it or anything it's, either. It's not, a, it's, not a, it's not a desirable outcome. What I think I was going for is you can do things in the world as your leftist praxis, which would be provide better social programs for single-parent mothers providing, you know, meals for kids at school for free, you know, to help farmers out and to provide help sex education 100%. that isn't tied to some, you, you know, like Old Testament version. Exactly. Of, yeah. And all of those things that would be very DSA oriented and stuff could have the, you know, externality of reducing the abortion rate because almost people a, almost certainly would right so in that way you could say you could argue that socialist praxis could achieve something that would be appealing to the evangelical right and so why wouldn't you do that regardless of the reason that you're doing that and you don't even have to be that vocal about it but but working towards those goals right yeah so, uh, well, and I think it makes sense that it's totally in line with your religion to not just think, well, if I see a person that's in need of help, that it's my religion calls me to help that person, but to take it one step further and say, and also it calls me to, you know, think about how to best live in a society that causes this to happen. You know, yes. how can we yep. best improve, you know, our system of helping each other right. in a civic sense to, yep you know, help these people, not just one person, but help anybody that happens to be in this situation or maybe in that situation in the future. Right. And so, it's totally in line with that line of thinking. And, you know, I think 
those can be a natural pairing, even though people may not necessarily associate those two things or in some ways go completely out of their way to disassociate these things, <laughs> right. leading to you know people saying, well, I have to just support Trump because even though he has nothing to do, he's the most non-Christ-like president right. possible, <laughs> but – you know, I'm just going to support him and disassociate anything that I feel like my religion calls me to do, you right. know, on a personal level. So I think a significant difference between leftist or left-leaning Christians and and right rightist. Do we say rightist? Yeah, right sure. sure. Righties. Yeah. Yeah. Righty okay, we do. We should. Um, yes. Hell yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, I'm yet. just making up did all Brendan, kinds of words did, tonight. Did this motherfucker just say righty tighties? Yeah. Righty tighties. <laughs> it's catching nice. on. Okay. It's the new. All right. right. So the righty tighties, as they really should be called. Lefty um, Lucy's. <laughs> in there and we're the lefty Lucy's. That's what I heard. Right. I think we just beat Trump, uh, guys. <laughs> <laughs> we're the lefty Lucy's. Hell yes. So that's. <laughs> Hey, surely um, someone there's surely this t-shirt already exists yes that, that's actually gonna be I the that, that's gonna your, be the fucking yes, episode title right. <laughs> this is how you become a billionaire and then we have to kill you all right awesome i'm just kidding we i don't believe delete this don't let this billion dollar idea get out <laughs> yes <laughs> um but i think the big difference is in how we see so you mentioned earlier and we're we're gonna come back to it but i'm gonna go ahead and bring it there right now this oh, idea yeah. of the kingdom of heaven and and the sort of what that means i think most people in left-leaning christianity see ourselves as the hands and feet of god and we see the kingdom of heaven as something we are supposed mm. to make earth like heaven right. is a in place on earth heaven, ooh, heaven is a place on earth <laughs> ooh, baby ooh. do you know what that's worth Megan? <laughs> a billion dollars <laughs> Okay. Um, I don't know. I mean, some, somebody did the the contrapositive of that, which is hell is other people. At one point, right? Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm not sure you can yeah, trademark yeah, yeah, that. Yeah. The but, left, um, right so dilemma. we believe that, like, it's our it's our calling to. So we, I personally believe that that Jesus, um, part of what Jesus was doing was teaching us a new way to live, and that's right. a way to live where you're prioritizing the needs of mm. the people who need the most and mm-hmm. yeah. from each according to his ability and so on um and i think if you look at like the acts of the apostles the, luke and acts those two luke is a gospel and acts is the first book after it but really most people think they were written by the right. same author and they sort of continue into each other so but yeah. acts mm-hmm. is after jesus dies um here's what the apostles do and what they did was they sold all their shit and lived in a commune right which is yep. like and so when I hear people be like, religion mm-hmm. is not compatible with socialism, I'm like, have you read Acts? Or not. for that matter, um, any of the uh, the prophets in the Old Testament who all talked about like d- reorganizing society and overthrowing authoritarianism and um, building. I mean, if anything, I think the Gospels are further left than me. <laughs> like, like I don't <laughs> right. really want to sell all my shit and live in a commune. Like, but that, it makes doesn't- it's kind of. Yeah, then you're going straight to hell. Right. I am. <laughs> There's the interpretation also uh, of what Jesus Christ is quoted as having said, I think, in Matthew. I could be wrong. I, I'm not a biblical scholar. I think but it was, it was in says, Superstar, the book of Superstar. When he right. says, I came to bring a sword, you know, the, the liberation yeah, theologists that take that as being a statement of, this is a call to action. This is a call yes. to action for the faithful yes. to bring a fight to the existing 
societal structure right in order to make it more fair for the people who are downtrodden right. the people who are exploited you know it means um, it's, throw it's a in brick there. through a starbucks window that's what it means exactly that's literally yeah. what jesus was saying um <laughs> or at least don't vote for the ceo right jesus. i mean that's yeah. all those are your <laughs> right. it's somewhere in that spectrum yeah. Thank um, you. Well, I think you just earned your new position as the CEO of Antifa. Uh, yes! Little did you know, this was actually a job Finally. interview, cool. and you got it. Cool, cool, cool. We have connections. <laughs> so, congratulations. So, <laughs> excellent. Your but excellency. To finish, <laughs> your majesty, actually. Yeah, let's, um, last, last thoughts here, Mary. To finish, we, we I just wanted to come back to the the right. People on the right believe that heaven is something that we have to get to, and that it won't happen until Jesus comes back. I believe that Jesus has come back a million times. Every time some fucking poor baby is born and dies. Cause his mother doesn't have yeah. a doctor. That's every time yeah, that's right. when Jesus comes back. So they're like, no, he's going to come back like riding a dinosaur and waving an American flag. Right. That's going to be Jesus's return. So that's right. the big difference. And the difference between yeah. like building this <laughs> God, fucking Brendan, <laughs> But building this sort of holy, holy kingdom on earth, um, such as it mm. is, and I tend to prefer to say kingdom, which people argue about the theology of that, but Ooh. kingdom or oh, commonwealth, okay. um, as opposed to kingdom, though I'm fine with Jesus being a king, but, but I don't, I believe in being in community with all people, whether or not they have Jesus or not. I still think that the and probably the guy same. himself would have been okay with that too, right? Yeah. Mm. I mean, yeah, he didn't, I mean, he didn't set argument. himself up as a leader other than going like, I'm the one with, you know, most of the information. Yeah, but he, he was... didn't set himself up as being a ruler. No, and I think not not exactly. And they mocked, I mean, they, when they put the crown of thorns on him, they were like, hur, hur, you're the king. Like, that was a mocking thing. Like, he wasn't right. like, I'm not that kind of, like, crown wearing. That's right. not the point. Um. Went out of his way not to answer that question, in fact. Right, right. Um, and rode in on a donkey, which was, that's not what kings do. Kings don't you ride know, donkeys. They ride, I don't know, giraffes or something. <laughs> he was just ahead of his time. Because <laughs> if somebody was doing fun... that nowadays, I would be like, that dude is balling out of control. Look, he's, <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> he's got his horse in the back. Um, right. <laughs> Damn. You know, what is your favorite uh, reincarnation of Jesus? Because mine might be Lil Nas X. He's doing great. Well, you know, I mean, I, I'm a big say, Frida fan. I think Big Frida is an excellent Jesus. I always um, see the reincarnation mm-hmm. at the very end of, like, the mm-hmm. crucifixion. Like, like mm-hmm. I always Kirk see. Cobain. Well, like, in, you know, like, MLK and that kind of thing. Like, I always see these, like, Mm. modern examples of the spirit just being, like, you know, man, society really does not know what it's doing right now. Yeah. If you want to cry, listen to the This American Life about MLK and Jesus, and you will bawl your uh, eyes out. Yeah, Yeah, man. A very worthwhile bit of reading for people who are interested in Christian leftism, whether or not it's actually called that, is um, a book called The Cross and the Lynching Tree by Professor James Cohn, Reverend Dr. James Cohn. Um, who just died a couple years ago, but he he talks about it was already depressing. You know, I know it's yeah. so sad. <laughs> the cross and the lynching tree, and he talks about he compares those two things, like the way mm. people on the margins are killed and the way it affects communities, and he connects sort of the Black American experience with Christianity, and in a way that is so it's an academic book. It's not like light reading, mm. but it's not very long. It's um, it's this big. 
podcast listeners. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's only, don't worry, it's only this big. You can... It's it's only this big. Right. <laughs> um, She's actually making a giant, like, yeah, it's arms like three feet spread wide. out yeah. motion right yeah, now. You can't even yeah. see it on the Skype. Um, see, I think, I think the real Jesus is Maria Abramovich, who <laughs> got absolutely crucified for spirit, spirit cooking, cooking, which was... Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, uh, one of the things that was mentioned in in the thread that I I really appreciated was, and I'm not going to read all of it, but it was from Open Mike Bomber. Um, oh, Josiah, yeah, that know, guy was great. Yeah, just kind of at the end, like the conclusion of what he was saying, you know, is that to him, you know, an atheist or a non-Christian engaged in, you know, in the right practice and feed, feeding the poor and opposing systems which create poverty are probably closer to God spiritually than most Christians. And I agree with Absolutely. that 100%. Totally. You know, yeah. I see perfect examples of Christ-inspired Christ living from people that aren't even identifying as Christians. And that's totally fine right. for me. And it makes me a better person either way. Right. And yeah. Right. And know. if you're trying to get someone to be the same religion as you, yeah. what do you think you're going to have Screaming a better chance on Twitter with? about it you know, is not the way. Right. Being know? like, maybe we should do things differently and help each other more or being like, my religion loves Trump and yeah. you right, know, right, thinks he's, right, he's right. doing great. You know, do you want to yeah. join up? Yeah. I've had people ask me, like, why are you so good at getting new people to the church, new young people? I'm like, guys, what works right. isn't like shitty worship bands. That doesn't work. What works is like <laughs> right. doing really interesting, meaningful, engaged, non-charitable, like really looking at charity from a mutual aid kind of standpoint. Right. That people are attracted to that. That works. Mm-hmm. And welcoming Absolutely. people, like all of them. <laughs> yeah. That works. Absolutely. What doesn't work is just uh like people think you're gonna like put on a light show and like all the young people will come because who doesn't love a light show on sunday morning um, <laughs> right so well thank you to uh our our new friend will powell for introducing us to uh josiah because chuck i agree with you i think that was the best statement that we had in response to our call for responses but also thank you to everybody else who contributed you know talking about how they had been brought up in a church and how they lost their piety as they became more leftist but maybe if the church was better in different ways they would have stuck with it um i think that's a good time for us to take a little break and take you out Ooh. on a high note yes
Yeah, did we leave it out on a low note? I don't think we did. You know, I think no, this I is think one of those did. rare occasions. It's actually positive, you know, going into the positive. We're just yeah, lifting yeah. it higher. As Jesus does. You think he's going to leave it <laughs> right. on a low note, but no, no. Right. Shows back up. Also, also your love is lifting me higher. Right. No. And the love of our fans Damn. was lifting me higher this week. We got one patron, you guys. Oh, whoa. And that's all you that's need. That's right. You're professional. I, I had a bet with Matt that we wouldn't get any, but you proved me wrong. I was like, if this, if we don't get one patron, then God is dead. And <laughs> That's oh. right, yeah. I, I owe Brendan my yes. share of the Patreon that we actually did get a patron. It happened. Uh, right. So that's my high note. That, that was your high note. My high note was something that Chuck uh, put on our Slack today. Uh, which was, um, you know, we talked not as much as I thought we were going to talk about climate change uh, on, on this episode, but it was really nice to see AOC come out and use her faith specifically to make an argument for why we had to do something about climate change. And she said that, you know, like Genesis says a couple of times that you know like humans are here to serve and protect blue lives matter the the creation is good <laughs> and it needs to be protected that's what oh. yes um leviticus says that you know the land that sustains you needs to be respected also so uh, <laughs> as far as that goes chuck and i were yeah. exchanging some links today about right. Um, various ways of looking at climate change to speak to communities of faith. And, you know, you've got the Young Evangelicals for Climate Action. Is that right? Yeah, I believe that was right. You know, and um, and that's, that's a community where, okay, so like the, the consensus on climate change is something like 98% among scientists. It's something like 68% among the general population and it's something like 28 percent among evangelicals so fewer than one in three evangelicals believe that man-made climate change is a real thing and yet here are their kids going out there and starting an organization saying like yeah. look there there is gospel-based reason for us to care about that believe that it's happening care about it and do something about it so that's that's a bit of a high note for me too and it's a high note also in the sense that like people who people who can faith whisper that way have an in you know like there are <laughs> biblical arguments for caring about climate change and i'd like to see more people do that so that's my high note yeah absolutely and i think climate change and uh, criminal justice reform are the two places where we actually have some like legitimate hope with evangelicals. We just have yeah. to sell it right. Absolutely. My high note is um, kind of a project that I am involved with at my church, which is a current event discussion group that we do before kind of the main 1030 service. And it's a great time. I'm fortunate to be among people that, you know, I consider family nowadays I wasn't the original leader for this, but it just kind of turned into something where I was doing it in the summers when the leader was on break, and and now I'm kind of doing it all the time. But, you know, it's a great time to talk to people that are maybe from a different generation than you and talk to people that have, 
you know, a different set of core beliefs that they grew up with and just kind of do it in a constructive way and look at things and kind of add a little bit more empathy to the conversation. So it's always something that I look forward to every week and the people around you, you know, it kind of feels like going to the gym once a week and when you don't, you miss it. And that's kind of how it is. <laughs> yeah. for I'm not me. familiar. You know, well, you know, yeah, it's just one of those things where you feel like you've missed something if you if you didn't go. So, well, Chuck, for instance, I mean, you you've talked to us quite a quite a bit about the various discussions that you have in your uh, church discussion group, and uh, like one of them that came up in the past few weeks was the value or anti value of Antifa. And oh, yeah. like you were on the episode where we talked to somebody who was involved with Antifa. And I know that you took that episode yep. and shared it around with some people who only got their information on what Antifa is from, I don't know, Fox. From yeah, Tucker yeah, exactly. Carlson. Right. I'm not pushing anybody to my flavor of leftism or anything like that, but... I do try to, when I present questions, kind of present it from, well, does this really jive with what we believe, you know, from a religious yeah. perspective, from a faith perspective, and how we treat others and things like that. Um, and, and we kind of challenge each other that way. And it's not that people on the left are always right, but it's one of those things where, you know, when we're, some guy comes into class and is talking about, Andy no getting hit with a milkshake and he's worried about Antifa and stuff. I say, Hey, um, we've actually interviewed Antifa on yeah. the podcast. So a lot of people do appreciate a different perspective and, and I definitely appreciate it from them as well. And they'll send me articles and say, Hey, what do you think about this? And they definitely want to hear what somebody from a different background thinks. So, and, and I think we both learn from each other that way. So, well, Megan, what do you what do you have for us in in terms of a high note? Well, my high note is um, <laughs> my high note to me is what I <laughs> what I consider my faith in action, which is a totally non faith based thing that I didn't bring faith into at all, but it is what I do. Um, so my part time job, I'm a I'm an instructor and a recruiter for an adult education and adult literacy center, and today I got to spend the whole morning at a job fair for formerly incarcerated people, and it was super awesome, and it's really cool. There's this group called vote which stands for voice of the experienced that started up in new orleans um most cool things in louisiana like started up in new orleans and then like maybe we get a chapter for lucky um but they started in new orleans a few years ago and they work specifically on criminal justice reform centering the actual voices of people who have been incarcerated and uh and they're actually making a lot of change and um Including they were part of the movement. So Louisiana, as of up until last year, had a thing where um, 10 out of 12 jurors was enough. You didn't have to have a Okay, interesting. Jury. Interesting. Right? Right? 10 out of 12 yeah. is enough for everything, but like up to death Seems penalty cases. Legit. You had to have okay. 12 to, to hmm. kill somebody. Right? So, of course, like this is a Jim Crow rule. It's because right. like, oh, you made us let a let you made us have black people on juries. Well, <laughs> cool. that's fine. We're going to have two of them on there. Two white people on the jury don't want to convict them just because they're black. Right, yeah. right, right. So it, they that got fixed, which 
in a world where things seem impossible, <laughs> that little tiny bit of forward motion felt really amazingly good. And they also got a law passed uh, recently that if you're five years out from a felony and haven't recidivized, since I'm making up words, uh, um, that's, yeah, that's if you right. haven't recidivized. That's got to be right. Yeah, totally. I'm like literally the English teacher. It's incredible. Um, <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, exactly. So if you haven't recidivized, you can vote again, um, which it would be better for all felons to be able to vote. It would be better for everybody imprisoned to be able to vote. Uh, but that's not the case. But this is some progress. And as much as I'm like, I don't think of myself as an incrementalist the way mm. I used to. It's like, er, fuck it. I'll take it. That's awesome. So anyway, right, they, yeah, they no, held it's... this big job fair today. And it was really great to just see people out there, see local companies willing yeah. to give people a chance um, because, you know, conservatives, the, the timbre is, you know, you have to you, you get your life straight. And it's like, okay, cool. Are you hiring formerly incarcerated people? Um, no, they're, they're criminals. Yeah, they're the bad guys. <laughs> and it's like, well, mm -hmm. so yeah. that's not going to work. So it was great to see. So props to Waffle House. They were out there. Nice. Um, and a bunch of other. <laughs> but I was like, sweet. Nice one, Waffle House. You know, sure. I, we were saying that we should give infrastructure to Disney. I'm going to give it to Waffle House. I think they yeah, would do a Waffle better House. job. With Waffle House is going to run it all. I mean, wa Waffle Tiny, House is almost waffles. a religion in and of itself. Chunked, scattered, smothered, baby. No, I, as a Yankee, do not understand Waffle House at all. And y'all love that. And I don't get it. It's so bad. And I don't. <laughs> the one time I flew down to Dallas, Fort Worth. I was like, Matt, pick me up at the Waffle House. I'll be there when you're ready to pick me up. <laughs> and I literally was there. So, yeah, we don't have them in Nebraska. Yeah, right. The closest is Missouri, like Kansas City. I yeah, think. right. Wow. Yeah. In the Northeast, we have Greek diners, which are just superior in every fundamental, like so much better. And I'm though I did finally learn to ask for my hash browns Ooh. extra crispy, Ooh. which does <laughs> yeah, make so it better, good. so you don't get the like flaccid hash browns. See, what's great about really... Waffle House is if you ask them real nicely and somebody knows how to do it, they'll cook your bacon into the waffle, which is amazing. But also, ah. you know, uh, Waffle House uh, still serves as like the main disaster uh, like signal for the country, right? Like. Yeah, you know things are actually <laughs> I know really it's serious. a little hard to like actually approve of that because living in a place where hurricanes co come and we had a, a sort of false alarm a couple weeks ago scientists um, I tell you. like you actually need time to like put your sandbags on your back sure. door and shit sure. so like making people work is not actually a good thing but <laughs> it is nice to get right. waffles absolutely so. <laughs> It could be your last meal. Well, Megan Romer, it's been amazing to be able to have the chance to talk to you about uh, waffles yeah, and thanks many for having other me. things. Oh, we're, it, was, yes. it was a delight. And, we'll do it again sometime. Oh, Absolutely. yeah. I'd, I'd like that because, you know, we had so much to talk there about. There was lots we didn't get to. Yeah, yeah. So much to talk about going into this thing. It probably could have been three episodes. So let's have you back sometime soon. Hey. All right. All right. Sounds cool. good. What do you want to plug before we let you go? Oh, I have a podcast um, with my friend Joel. It's called Backsliding to Glory, and it's sort of a we're two um, progressive mainliners living in the deep south where very few people are progressive mainliners, and we kind of just hash out 
some of what that means, and I'm probably a little further left than he is, so you can hear me radicalizing him in real time. It's fun <laughs> for everyone. Sounds amazing. We will. <laughs> but he's we will awesome. Make he's Twitter like a really great guy. Yeah, yeah. Hell yeah. So, um, <laughs> and I don't know what else, but you can follow me on Twitter. It's at Megan Romer, M E G A N R O M E R. Extremely good follow, Chuck. I understand that you have a new project. Yeah, well, I'm getting ready to give it a go. There, Um, you know, it's called the Corn Belt Connection, and I would definitely encourage people to uh, check that out when it comes out. (laughs) Um, I'm hoping though to uh, start doing interviews here in the next couple weeks. So, you definitely can follow me on Twitter at Shaggy Two Trope. And you can follow the corn belt at the corn underscore belt. So I can't believe corn underscore belt wasn't taken. Maybe on it was corn belt connection. I'm not sure. <laughs> I thought I signed up. I'll have to look at that. But follow at Shaggy Two Trip first, and you'll you can follow it from there. <laughs> My high note is that his Twitter ha- handle is Shaggy Two Trope. That's like, that's like the best. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, well, and Juggalos are back in the news. You know, uh, that face paint faking out facial recognition software. So that's right. You know, yeah. the cyberpunk future gets closer every day. Right. We're all going to have to just like be to walking around as Juggalos so the drones don't get ad. Yeah, um, <laughs> but I actually, speaking of ads, did create an ad for the Corn Belt Connection here. Maybe we can play it at the end. Of of this episode today so yeah. we'll see exactly yeah we'll show you we'll send you our ad rates I, uh, we're big time in you I, I was the subscriber <laughs> to, uh, to patreon secrets revealed yeah so um it's called payola let's uh, they have pay to play baby they haven't made <laughs> it illegal it in podcasting yet hopefully we'll uh, ally up here so <laughs> well it was awesome to have you on for this discussion chuck thank you uh, Brandon, what are you what are you plugging? Uh, I'm plugging nothing. I follow me on Twitter at Brendan Williams with one L. That's a plug. Nope. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, I, I guess I will say that uh, I'm Matthew Hodges. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt the Great with a W. Uh, we're gonna do a new episode of the Redwall podcast uh, in two days. So if you're into Redwall and socialism and religion, a lot of religion going on. A uh, lot, lot of religion. Yeah, a lot of religion. A lot of racism. Well, a lot of like oh, yeah. religious iconography for sure. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so if you like the Redwall books and you like socialisms, come come follow us there. And in the meantime, you can follow the show at liquid underscore flannel and uh just last week we launched our patreon where every week if you give us literally any amount of money you get an entire full ass episode uh just for giving us a dollar oh, man. so we gotta try that, that out <laughs> man, if you if you like what we talk about you'll probably like what brendan and i bullshit about you know for an hour after we finish recording. it's completely Unrated, because mm. it's a it's <laughs> a podcast. It. Also, 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 one hundred percent unedited. But let's not <laughs> put that out on the show. <laughs> well, Chuck, Megan, Brendan, thank you all. Thank you. Thank you. Peace be with you. Amen. <laughs> and also with you. <laughs> and we'll see you all next week. The Corn Belt Connection. Hey comrades, it's Chuck. You remember me from Liquid Flannel. 
I just want you to know you'll still hear me on here from time to time, as you have with this episode, but I've also started another show called The Corn Belt Connection. Sometimes my friends and I will be reacting to Nebraska news, culture, politics, news throughout the region, and sometimes we'll be looking at the connection between our Corn Belt state and the rest of the country and world. There won't always be a tangible connection, and sometimes we'll be creating the connection ourselves, socially. It should be fun discussions and stories, so be sure to check it out. Stay tuned to Liquid Flannel. I plan to coordinate episode releases with my friends over here. And be sure to follow me on Twitter at Shaggy2Trope to get more information. And remember, no matter where you are or who you are, we all have an important interest in the Corn Belt.